It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. He's done it again. Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast. I'm Sebastian Noren, back after some uh, little sabbatical, one show sabbatical. (laughs) You just don't like the international breaks. That's what, like, you're never around for these international breaks. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? We won't stand for it anymore because you're American now. You now have to join us for the America shows. That is true. I'm even wearing a uh, USA t-shirt today, so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, hey, Sweden won, and then they beat Portugal in the friendly, so I'm I'm double happy. i got two teams to be happy for now. Um, yeah, with me is Polly and Elliot, as you surely figured out. Uh, we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit more about that USA um, draw against Panama, and then we'll jump in and preview a couple of games in the Premier League, and then we'll give our scoring predictions. And I know Polly is eager to get to those. I don't know. I, I spaced out. I missed what you said. You're eager to get to the score <laughs> rest predictions. Ass- rest assured, I'm eager. Yes. Okay, so let's get into it. USA got a 1-1 draw on the road against Panama. They were missing a lot of, you know, starters. Pauly, is this an acceptable result? That's a loaded question. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an acceptable result. It's just a result that shouldn't have happened. Mm. Let's, yeah. Well, let's 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 flip this table around. Seb, first two games as an American, go. Okay, so the first. How one, do you feel? The first one was awesome because <laughs> I got to go to bed at halftime because um, <laughs> it was over. I was like, "This is perfect." You know, there. Were, I mean, if you would have waited two more minutes, you would have seen two more goals. Yeah, I know, I know. Now nah, I caught up on the highlights afterward. Uh, Panama game was tough. I mean, Panama—they've actually been you know doing pretty well at home they got a scoreless draw against mexico so everybody does well at home that's that's yeah. the thing so i mean the you know the game wasn't as you know nice to watch as the honduras game i think they combined for like what seven shots on target um but i mean i feel like a one-one draw and the fact that so many players were missing that's okay i feel like it's okay but I, i'm still not Fully on the uh, Bruce Arena bandwagon, that's for sure. Right. So, oh, I just had a question. So, Elliot, um, do you think that they maybe, maybe we overthink away games a little bit too much? By we, do you mean our analysis, or do you mean Bruce Arena's team selection, or do you mean the mentality of the team on the pitch? I think the mentality of everything. I think the I think the the media plays it up to 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 like let you know because especially when it comes to the U.S. and World Cup, like the the casual U.S. fan knows that it that there's in Concacaf there's us and Mexico and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Costa Rica is a step down and everybody else is several steps down. So 
to the casual fan, you want to prevent them from freaking out. Like, wait, how did we not beat Panama? How did we lose to Honduras? How did we lose to Guatemala? So the media is always playing this narrative of, well, these away games are are really difficult and you should be happy with the point. The coaches, obviously, are playing the same narrative because this way you lower the expectations. You say, well, we want four points out of these two games. Hey, we got it. Job well done. Mission accomplished. But really, it's but the, the coaches also go into these games and they, they pick a different team and they play a different style. And sometimes it's just like, well, why don't you just go out there and play the same way and maybe we'll have a better result. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a game that I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm going to qualify this with a grain of salt at the outset, because I do think that a lot of times we put too much pressure on, you know, if this striker was there and that striker wasn't, then that's the difference in this game. But nonetheless, do I believe that if Bobby Wood starts this game, we take all three points? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. And well, if we, if we start with two strikers, if you want to play a four, four, two, the key is the key there is to actually play with two strikers. I mean, did you feel in this match that Pulisic didn't seem kind of, I mean, granted he still had a good game, right? He had, that brilliant bit of magic that set up Dempsey for the only U.S. goal. And I think that he played very well, but it didn't seem... I mean, now, maybe this is partially just because they didn't run rampant with six goals, but Mm -hmm. he didn't seem quite as mobile on the pitch as he did uh, at home in the first World Cup qualifier last week. I thought exactly the opposite. Really? Um, Yeah. I thought as good as Bruce Arena was... In, in the last game against Honduras, he was that bad in this game. And part of that is, and it's funny that no one mentions this, but people always criticize Jurgen Klinsmann for making changes for the sake of making changes. And why can we not get any continuity? Bruce Arena, in the first opportunity that he got to make changes for the sake of making changes, made changes. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. So, all right. So Jermaine Jones is available for this game. So, Bruce Arena says, let's go out there. Let's throw him on the field. Play him. Why? I don't know. Does he fit in the team? No. Which causes Pulisic to go out wide. But Pulisic's role wasn't to be a right winger. His role was to be a right winger and also cut inside and and kind of make a diamond between Jones and and Bradley or a triangle and be the number 10 to feed out the door and, and Dempsey. And in theory... Graham Zuzzi, who's playing the right back, would provide the width as the right winger on the side. So that's asking Pulisic. That's asking Pulisic to do a lot. But yeah, I think I think you I think you and I are on the same page here because I feel that he just was more confined to the right side in this match. And I, well, he because wasn't last game they played him centrally. Last yeah, game they exactly. played him centrally, and they just said, "Do what you want to do." This game, he had a role where you're on the right side, but we also want you to go to the middle and do this role. That's asking him to do a lot, but I don't think yeah. that's unfair. And I don't think no. that was his undoing. The issue was, not only did he have to do that, but then he had to partner Michael Bradley in central midfield because Jermaine Jones was God only knows where. And yeah. while he was doing that, he had to play number 10. And while he was doing that, he had to partner Clint Dempsey up top because Josie Altidore spent the entire game actively running away from the ball. <laughs> and and I, I fired off a tweet in 
about 60 minutes into the game and it was it was in jest and it went to Paul Carr ESPN's like statistician and researcher and everything where I pretty much just said can we get a heat map of like where out the doors even touch the ball and he responded to me and I said does he even have a touch he responded to me through 60 minutes out the door has 11 touches nine fewer than the next closest teammate yeah yeah, that is how useless he was. It, which is, it, you know, it reminds me of the way Theo Walcott goes missing in games sometimes. And he's been better. He's been better in this past season. But, like, I remember in last year when we played Leicester, he had, like, three touches all game. Granted, one was a goal. But it was it was abysmal. But, I, I mean, I, the thing is that I think that Pulisic acquitted himself well on the right side, right? I think that he yes. did... You know, he's always – he's the first player forward and the first player back. But nonetheless, I think that that kind of – the and again, to your point, he was forced into a lot of different roles in this match. Right, and, they gave him two roles, which is a lot, but okay. He had to play four. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, yeah, that's exactly. the thing too. If you want the best out of him, you don't want to give him too much else to work with because then – you know, come the end of the game, he'll be knackered. So, yeah, uh, they definitely need to find right, and a, this is, find a way to get the best out of Pulisic. And and I think we got the best out of Pulisic because, as you saw, uh, there were times where we where I looked up and it was like Dempsey is up top with somebody else. Oh, you know, those are the two strikers up top. Oh no, wait, that's Dempsey and Pulisic up top. And then, and then Panama came back down the field, and you know, who's the guy that's back there to block the shot? Oh, that's Pulisic. So. Your best place is just play him next to Bradley. Like, let Bradley sit back and let Pulisic run around the field. Like, that's what Jermaine Jones was doing. Mm -hmm. He was just running around the field. He was just being useless. Pulisic can do that and be useful. The issue is, is a lot of this game looked like back when Bob Bradley was the manager and our strategy was sit back, defend, and wait for Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey to do something crazy and awesome, and we'll score goals that way. And it kind of looked like... Bruce Arena threw a team on the field that just said, all right, like, let's let's play with these guys. It's going to be physical. We know that. It's going to be rough. Let's just play with them and wait for Pulisic to do something awesome. But speaking of Jermaine Jones, do you feel like he's gotten to that point now where he's not going to be useful anymore? Because he, no. he is, what, 35? No. Here's the thing about Jermaine Jones, and this is where Bruce Arena, like, it's almost a fireable offense that he did this. Like has he like did you watch the games when mm-hmm. when Jurgen Klinsmann was the manager because he fell into the same traps like he he did things that we already know don't work and it's so stubborn of you to think it didn't work under Klinsmann well it's going to work under me what we know is Josie Altador if he plays you need to start a second striker so if you're gonna play Josie Altador you can either go three at the back or you have to play a four four two. What we also know is that Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones cannot be the partnership in a 4-4-2. It has been tried many times. It has never worked. It's almost like they bring the worst out of both, like the worst out of one another. That's not almost. It's not almost. That's literally what it is. (laughs) They bring the worst out of each other. It's only worked marginally during the Copa America, and that's because they had two hardworking wingers in Zardes and Bedoya, covering for them and they didn't have out the door they had bobby wood and quint dempsey up top but otherwise it doesn't work so if you're going to play out the door and we've discussed this before is jermaine jones is still the best central midfielder on the team 
if you play with a holding midfield, like when in the World Cup, he was the best because Kyle Beckerman was behind him. When you when you put in a three-man midfield, Jones is really good, but Altidore is really bad. So if you're going to lock Bradley into a spot, then you have to choose between Altidore and Jones. And they seem to want Altidore in there, despite the fact that in his life, he has scored three away World Cup qualifying goals, and he is just absolutely useless on the field. Mm-hmm. But he's locked into a spot, which means you need to sub, like you need to take Jones off. Jones loses his place in that situation. And we've seen them go 4-4-2 with those three people on the field many times before, and it's never once worked. Uh, Elliot, uh, what's your take on the goal that Panama scored, though? That was not very good defending. No, it was... I, I mean, and, you know, I... I think that the my my wager on this match they they didn't all come through but I was certain in none of them did I expect the US to keep a clean sheet right like first of all with John Brooks injured and then second of all with Omar Gonzalez I just I I did not anticipate the US keeping a clean sheet I think that it wasn't you know the the fact that Panama only got one is a little lucky to be honest i mean i think that getting a point from this game is on the one hand frustrating because as i said i think that if it's bobby wood and not josie altador you know that there were a bunch of chances that the united states could have converted but mm-hmm. on the other hand we were clearly vulnerable for a lot of this match and i think that it highlights both how important john brooks is to this team and Although I didn't think that Omar Gonzalez actually was as bad as he was against Honduras, I he I wasn't good though. He wasn't good exactly. He was. And he wasn't, he, and it didn't. It didn't justify picking him over Jeff Cameron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so looking I at mean, when it when it yep. boils down to it, and and Elliot and I discussed it last week, is that we went to Panama four years ago and we brought pretty much only reserves because we already booked our place in the tournament. And while it was under miraculous uh, conditions, we got the win. And while we weren't at 100%, we brought a better team this year, and we should have gotten the win. Yeah, yeah so quick look at the table here. Mexico sit at the top with 10 points. Um, three wins, one draw. Then Costa Rica, they're second with seven <laughs> points. Two wins, one draw, one loss. Then we got Panama in third. Even though they only scored two goals. Uh, one win, two draws, one loss. They don't concede goals. No, they really don't. And then you got the United States in fourth now, which is that inter-confederation playoff spot. Uh, one win, one draw, two losses. Then you got Honduras in fifth. Also one win, one draw, two losses. And then Trinidad and Tobago are last with three points, one win, and three losses. And uh, we got the next round of qualifiers coming up in June. First, the U.S. takes on Trinidad and Tobago at home before they travel down to Mexico. So overall, though, are you confident heading into the next break? If everyone is back healthy, do you think they can... I mean, they should be Trinidad and Tobago, no worries. But do you think they can get something out of that game down in Mexico City at the Azteca? I mean, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. I mean, it's always hard there. What, like, we got our first win ever at the Azteca three years ago? Isn't that right? No, it was longer than that. It was longer than that. It was before the World Cup qualifying. It was in the summer. I think it was August 
2012? Maybe, yeah, okay. Because I was definitely and then we, in Montana, and then we went but back that would have been there, right after I moved We went here, back so. there in World Cup qualifying, and we got a draw. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I, we could get a draw. At, well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's what, what, it does, what doesn't bother me. Like, essentially, we need to jump Panama, and if results hold, if we just keep matching results with Panama, we still need to play them again at home. Mm-hmm. We'll win that yeah. game, and then we jump yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Having said I mean, that, I- just one thing about this game. Like the referee left his yellow card at the at the hotel, right? Oh my god, it was so ridiculous. Considering that, like in the so first ridiculous. in the in the Mexico game and the uh, not and not the Costa Rica game, the uh, other the Honduras game, like you couldn't breathe without picking up a yellow card. Like how did that happen? Maybe and you know what? Maybe his yellow card got incinerated when the Panama fans were setting off fireworks outside the U.S. hotel. Maybe I mean it's the fact that nobody got a card in that game is just a joke. No, yeah, and and so okay, Paulie and I spoke on last in our last episode about the Neil Taylor tackle on Seamus Coleman and how it's it's frustrating to me that dangerous play isn't treated harshly immediately and is more frequently only treated harshly retroactively after somebody's gotten hurt. And I kept thinking about that conversation that we had during this match because I was just like, this game, this is a chippy game. And it was always going to be because when the U.S. is coming back in World Cup qualifying for the first time since they eliminated Panama in dramatic fashion, it was going to be a hotly contested game no matter what. And the referee failed utterly in his job to control this match. And it is not unthinkable that, you know, the uncontrolled game that he allowed to get out of hand could have gotten more out of hand and someone could have gotten hurt. And thankfully that didn't happen. And, you know, I think we have to say a credit to the players on both teams for not allowing that to happen, but they certainly weren't being held in check by the referee. And so then you have to hope they hold themselves in check. But it's just, it was... Uh, I, I would go so far as to say that it was a dangerously mishandled game mm-hmm. on the referees. Not for Josie Altidore because he was never anywhere near the action. No. <laughs> then it's, but then, I did, then I it's did difficult to get injured. It. I did yeah. think about it at one point because at one point Jermaine Jones came from behind on a guy. He did win the ball, but it looked bad and he kind of threw the guy down and the referee just kind of said play on. And it went to another Panamanian guy and Jermaine Jones threw a wild challenge at him. Yeah. He pulled his legs back at the last minute. He did pull his legs back, and there was no contact. Jones kind of just slid by him, but I went, whoa, that could have been really bad. Yeah. And, like, that was exactly right there being like, if we were calling preventive challenges here, that's that's one I would give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so overall, get uh, put a letter grade on their performances here against Honduras and Panama. Uh, I mean, Honduras, I think you've got to say at least A minus, if not A, right? Mm-hmm. Like we talked about how Omar Gonzalez kind of had a horror show at the back, but they still kept a clean sheet nonetheless and looked really dangerous going forward. Uh, I'm I'm going to give him a solid B. For solid Panama, B for Panama, you know? yeah. Yeah, like I, I would like to see him do better. I know they can do better, but uh, – yeah, a point away from home in World Cup qualifying. Not thrilled, but I'll take it. Yeah, and the fact is, too, when you have that many players missing, too, that the, the pool is only so deep. And when you got to start, you know, putting some other players in that maybe shouldn't be starting, you know, 1-1 away from home. Yeah, I'm, I'll agree with that, B. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna grade both games together, and I'm gonna say A minus. Okay. Because I thought every every player on the team played at the level we expected them to, or better. So uh, you know, like you know, we know Omar Gonzalez isn't good. It wasn't surprising that he had a bad game against Honduras, and he wasn't that great. Um, we know Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley are a bad pairing. We know that Josie Altidore is pretty useless. It, this was what brought the U.S. down was the manager didn't put his players. He did as he put his players in a in a place to succeed on Friday. He didn't do the same thing in Panama, hmm. and that's what brought the players down. But everybody else played at, exactly as you would expect them to, or better. Yeah, we we'll see how things evolve here as we go further into the World Cup qualifiers. Moving on to the Premier League. And we got actually some pretty interesting games here coming up this weekend, and we'll talk about a few of them. First up, Merseyside Derby between Liverpool and Everton at Anfield. Um, you know, looking at the table here, Everton, they are in seventh. They are on even points with Arsenal. I know Arsenal have two games in hand, but it is a golden opportunity to put even more pressure on Arsenal. Yeah, but, but also at the same time, Everton is in great form. Just fantastic. Well, yeah, but they also have great form interrupted by not playing. Yeah, but that's but, true but for everyone. The good news is, right, right, right. Well, that's also why like, we forget. Like, this is, remember in September and October and November, like, weird things happen after the international break. And it's very hard to predict games, you know. Mm-hmm. People don't gamble on them as much because you just, you don't know what's going to happen. Everton have a big advantage that I don't think they had a lot of players leave for this international break. <laughs> but they lost well, their best defender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they lost their best defender, but Liverpool lost... Liverpool lost the key to their midfield. Yeah. In in Adam Milana. Mm-hmm. Like, Sadio Mane is probably the key to their team, but my friend who's a Liverpool fan just went from... He, he said it, it, earlier this season, he just went, it's amazing how when you when we don't have Adam Alana, our midfield is just absolutely awful. And he's like, and it's ridiculous to say that. He goes, because I know on the surface, Adam Alana is a good, but not amazing player. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it's, it's he is the piece that fits. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you hear that Liverpool paid for a private jet? Yeah. To bring Coutinho and Firmino. And Firmino. <laughs> back from the Brazil duty. Yeah, which they don't... is just... I mean, it, it's nice to see that they're, you know, like, obviously they're taking the Merseyside Derby seriously. I don't know how much difference that's going to make, but, you know, we'll see. Well, I, Paul, I know that you're big into history here. When was the last time Everton got a win at Anfield? Oh, ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, ages. Well, ago. when oh, was the Jackie Elka was the Jackie Elka goal an equalizer? Don't remember. That was at Anfield. Don't I feel remember. like. I think that was at Anfield. Yeah, Paulie, Paulie will look this up. We'll talk a little bit about Liverpool, Elliot. Uh, they are undefeated in their last three games. Uh, they beat your Arsenal three to one. Then they defeated Burnley two to one. Then they got a one-one draw on the road against Manchester City in their last game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Jackie Oka goal is an equalizer at yeah. Anfield. Let me oh, look wow. up the rivalry. Boy. This is God. They haven't won at Anfield since '99. Is that right? Oh wow! I think they won a cup game though. Okay, well, we'll okay, stick, we'll but stick it, to the league. In in the league, in a, a match sense. in a match in which two 
Liverpool players, including Mr. Steven Gerrard, got sent off. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, wow. I have no doubt that this is going to be a heated affair. That's almost a given. But can Everton get anything away from this game? They, like we said before the break, they were playing well. Three nothing against West yeah. Brom, and then four nothing against Hull. Yeah, one nil in ninety nine. But I mean, is is I, a draw the most they can really hope for? No, they they can absolutely hope to win. I mean, we've talked time and again over the course of the season about how shaky Liverpool are. And they're a little better at home, but still, like, their defensive issues are manifest. And if Everton can carry their form from before the interlull, you know, back onto the other side of the international break, then, you know, they're a team that's clearly full of goals, whether or not Lukaku takes some of those goals away from Goodison Park remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, they're a team with goals in them. Liverpool also are that, but they can be really shaky at the back. You know, Everton has to go into this match believing that they can take all three points because they can. Now, they, I mean, they could also end up losing five to three, but, you know, they, they, they can hit Liverpool. I would be, I would be really surprised if Liverpool keep a she- clean sheet in this game, even if I wouldn't be surprised if they win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Liverpool are also inconsistent. They're, wow, they are wildly favored in this game. Really? Holy. Holy. <laughs> speaking, about, speaking about betting on mm-hmm. uh, games after international breaks. <laughs> yeah, but Liverpool are minus 153. Everton are plus 400. I mean, that's a discrepancy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take four to one odds on that. Yeah. Well, hell, they, they probably looked at and saw that. Oh, no, no win at Anfield since 1999. Okay. Because you're pretty sure that plays a part in it. But always nice with the Derby. And uh, that one is bright and early on Saturday morning. Uh, 7 a.m. You also get really good odds on Burnley at home to Tottenham. So. And Burnley been, you know. They've been good at home, too. We'll, yeah, we'll get but, to that game in our scoring yeah, bridge. Jeez, that's a... Yeah, so 7.30 a.m. Oh. kickoff between Liverpool and Everton on Saturday morning. At 10 a.m., we'll find Manchester United taking on West Bromwich at Old Trafford. And the latest out of Manchester United, Slatan. he is in contract negotiations. That's good. But they have two injured defenders in Phil Jones and Chris Smalling. Both, you know, got hurt here during the international break, which prompted Mourinho to whine about playing international friendlies midseason. Of course. <laughs> but, Pauly, how, how, how much weekend are Jose they without, Mourinho, without Smalling and Jones? Jose Mourinho strikes me as the guy that would sue Starbucks for not putting that the coffee is hot on the cup. Mm. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I agree with that entirely. <laughs> or he buys a self-righteous nitpicky yeah. and doesn't really care. He, he buys a he, gets right. he buys a wooden chair and then he's surprised when he catches fire when he puts it next to Or him. like at, when he gets a splinter. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I mean, Jose Mourinho finds any reason to put Marcos Rojo in the team anyway. Mm. So just line him up at line him up at center back and the, maybe we'll get either 
Daly, Blind, or Luke Shaw at left back, which is an improvement. Although he'll probably find a way to pigeonhole Ashley Young in there. Um, and it just means that we get Eric Bailly. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I could, you know, I should be in the team. <laughs> I could see Bailly Rojo in the middle, and then it should be Shaw and Valencia on the on the wings. So, um, or, or or he goes, oh, because or he goes Bailly Rojo Blind, and then Ashley Young and Valencia are the wingbacks because we have been playing with a back three recently. Well, I would still put Luke Shaw in there. I would too, but. We know how Jose Mourinho feels about Luke Shaw. Um, and, and by the way, Jose, if it weren't for these international friendlies that Luke Shaw didn't play in, he, he wouldn't even have a chance to get match time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. But we're also we're also going to get a heavy dose of Fellaini. I have no feel on this game because it's going to be the rough and tumble West Brom like, against Rashford uh, and Fellaini. Mm-hmm. You know, I almost hope Ashley Young plays because we've discussed this. Like, when Young and Fellaini are on the field together, they're like, they're they're capable players. When they're on the field separately, it's like, dude, how did you get a contract to play yeah. professional football? Yeah, I mean, West Brom, West Brom had two bad games. They lost to Crystal Palace at home, and then they lost to Everton. But then they beat Arsenal uh, in their last game. Do you think that it was almost a, a negative for them that the international break came after winning such a big game? Is beating Arsenal in March an accomplishment? For West Brom, I would say yes. Before the clocks change? Yeah, no, definitely. Arsenal can lose to anybody before the clocks change. Then the clocks change and they realize, oh, crap, we might uh, we might not finish ahead of Tottenham. And, like, boom, they take off. Are you talking about clocks changing in They changed in England <laughs> in last London? week. They, they changed in London okay. last week. Yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> oh wait, did you see this? West, there's a ta- they put out a table. West Brom are the only team in the league, as as it should. I don't even think there should be a team in the league at this point. West Brom are the only team in the league that mathematically can still finish in any place in the Premier League. Wow, that's that's kind of amazing. Yeah, like if the results went their way, they could finish first, or they could finish twentieth. Yeah, I mean, I think the latter is more likely, but both are improbable. <laughs> I, I don't think the 28th is likely. <laughs> See, the problem with that is it requires Sunderland to win a few games. No, they can't, yeah. they can't finish 20th. Yeah, they can. <laughs> I no. thought you were talking about Sunderland and saying they can't no, finish. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, oh, no. no, Jermaine DeVoe can finish, but otherwise they're garbage. No, because Sunderland can only get 40 points, and West Brom are already at 43 what? No, this is not true. I saw I saw this on Twitter, and there's no such thing as something false on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like, no, they, could get rele- fake- they could get relegated, but they cannot finish in 20th. They uh, cannot maybe. finish in 19th. Because Middlesbrough only have 22 points with 10 games. I'm mm-hmm. looking for this tweet, and... Or, no, yeah, of course they can. What am I? I'm thinking hockey, sorry. Yes, you are totally correct. Never mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. never mind. Well, that's mind. an answer I'm used to hearing. Yeah. I was thinking two-point system hockey right now. It's almost the playoffs. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. How do you think they'll, they'll fare at Old Trafford? United have had a knack of, you know, drawing a couple of games that they shouldn't have at home. That sounds like a loaded question where you're trying to get my scoring prediction out of me. Before. <laughs> I'm trying to bait you. 
Yeah. No, I know you'll go with the 1-1 draw. It's okay. It's okay. Mm, I might have... The new champion might have some tricks up his sleeve. Got to yeah. keep it fresh. Got to keep Otherwise... it fresh. Uh, what do you say about the Slaton talks, though? About a contract extension? I mean, if you're going to be productive, be productive. But I'd like to see him score some league goals at home. Hmm? If, yeah. As long as... Look, it's the same... I, <laughs> I, I, I have to... I'm going to stay consistent here. And in the U.S., camp they all they do is they they throw age around Clint Dempsey and say oh but he's 34 years old can you really rely on him in Russia and like the dude every time he puts a shirt on every time he puts a U.S. shirt on he scores goals he scored four goals in the last two games so yeah I don't care what the number is next to like what when it says age I don't care what the number is if he's scoring goals so if Zlatan's gonna score goals I don't care what the number is next to his age okay Hmm? yeah then last game we'll touch upon here real quick before we get into scoring predictions. That's Arsenal taking on Manchester City at the Emirates on Sunday. And Elliot, I mean, life as an Arsenal fan right now cannot be that pleasant. What what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm a USA fan. That's yeah. uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I and believe the Timbers. go Timbers. Yeah. Somos Timbers. <laughs> so I wanted to take this up with you because I saw a uh, story on Sky Sports. Uh, they interviewed Paul Merson, former Arsenal player and now football expert. Um, he thinks that Patrick Vieira should take over after Wenger leaves after next <laughs> after next season. <laughs> That is so absurd. That is so completely absurd. Like, it, it's absurd on so many levels. First of all, one of which being with, like, um, sorry, I'm pausing because I just realized that I'm both wearing Arsenal Athletic shorts and an Arsenal t-shirt without... I just, also, I want you to just take into consideration, you're taking into consideration, you're talking to two guys that would have been totally fine with Ryan Giggs managing United. Yeah. No, but, but here's the thing, is that everybody, pundit, Football pundits in Europe love to just drag MLS through the gutter, right? And then now you have Patrick Vieira coming off a not a good season. He struggled. He manifestly struggled at NYCFC. And you want to bring him in to manage Arsenal Football Club while concurrently shitting all over the MLS as a crap league, a crap league that he can't win? No, that's abs- it's just absurd. Like that that kind of it. I don't know. I guess dual consciousness is the nice way to say it. Hypocrisy is the less nice way to say it. But it it just it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. No, like Patrick Vieira, you're totally you're totally welcome to have a managerial role at Arsenal Football Club. You will not be the head manager right away, and it would be ridiculous if they offered. It sounds like you want someone with a little bit more experience. I don't know. I think yeah. I think it's a great time to be an Arsenal fan because the clock's changed and they're about to go with their late season winning streak the same way that September Arsenal is also a great team. Yeah, well, hope so. <laughs> they take on third place Manchester City at home. And Manchester um, City are a terrible home team. Arsenal are at home. Manchester City is a great away side. Yep. Didn't you? Oh, I'm yes. confusing my Arab airlines. Yep. <laughs> That's okay. I, at least you didn't mess up the point system. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like weirdly punch drunk from the international break. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's 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 funny because it's like it's only like it's 
literally less than two weeks long, and it just feels so long when the, when the league finally returns. You're just like, I don't remember the last time I watched a game. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, the season's still going. Yeah, City, City, this... City's picked up 10 wins on the road in 14 matches. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, Arsenal are... This is a game that I wouldn't be surprised to see Arsenal win, but I am literally not betting on it. It's a must win. Like, it's it, a must it, win. It is a must win. Says Paul Merson. I mean, the, God, Arsenal. It just it's it's an it's a horror show, and uh, the thing the thing that most concerns me, and the thing that I, you know, like the the loss against West Brom is not totally reducible to this because, you know, all the players on the pitch are culpable, but the loss of Petr Cech is huge. huge. Absolutely. And that was a really creepy tone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my, right. it's my Trump. Huge. Oh, oh yeah. He's pronounced China. China. Yeah. <laughs> China. 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 So, China. um... Yeah, I mean, they all, let's see. They got. They only got, what? Wrong. Two, two wins in their last six games, and they're against minor. Yeah, Sutton United and Lincoln yeah. City. The, this is This is the worst. This is like the worst run of form that Arsenal have experienced under Arsenal. In Wenger's career. Mm-hmm. In Wenger's yeah. career. Yep. Okay, let's get into that scoring prediction. Uh, let's kick things off here with Liverpool against Everton. How about we kick things off with the new champ? Ah, okay, fine, Paul. You're hey, in the lead. Hey, don't crown yourself. You're no, you're no Chelsea. All right. Okay. Like, yeah. This this race isn't over yet. Paul, you're in the lead. One ninety six. Oh, is that race over? Have you guys conceded that race is over? Yes. Yes, we have. Uh, One ninety six. Paul is at I've the been, top. I've been enjoying that. Silence. Yeah, Elliot. Elliot, 192, and then I'm in third with... Okay, let's get... <laughs> less than 192. Yeah, less than 192, that's right, by a wide margin. Uh, okay, let's Sorry, get into you told it. me to be silent, but then you made it funny. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool, Everton. Uh, Elliot, I do agree with you that this one does have goals written over all over it. It does also... Might have a red card in it or so. Uh, I'm going to go 3-2 Liverpool. Isn't this the most red-carded fixture? Uh, is it more red-carded than I think, United-Liverpool? I, I think it has, yeah, I think it's got the most red cards in in Premier League history. Hmm. So, yeah, ha- having a red... As it should. It, as it should. Let me see if that's a prop. <sighs> well, a red card probably is. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, it totally is a prop. Not yet. Maybe closer to game time, but mm. on Wednesday, there's no... It's not offered. Mm. Elliot? Uh, it's... This is a tricky one to call, just because, you know, like I said, it, they both have goals in them. I think it could go either way. I think I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool, though I'm tempted to do 2-2 draw. Mm. But well, two, I'm Liverpool. doing that, so... Both teams have goals in them. Everton, the form team, but they still can't win at Anfield. Yeah. Then we got Burnley taking on Tottenham at Turf Moor. Spurs without Harry Kane. Burnley, I mean, if you just look at the surface of it, their form is crap, but that's because they've had four straight away games. 
Their last home game, they got a 1-1 draw against Chelsea, a, a, a match that they should have won. So I'm giving them a 1-1 draw against Spurs because they are Ooh, good at home. They God. are really good at home. You Seb, I hope you're right. I think you're wrong. 2-0 Spurs. Yeah, no, I have to agree with Seb on that. Great. Awesome. I hope I drop points. <laughs> <laughs> then league leaders Chelsea, they host Crystal Palace. Little London derby action. Um, this should only go one way. I'll go 3 nothing Chelsea. Damn it. All right, now I have to go 2-0 because I can't go with you back-to-back. Nah, that's yeah, I was, I, I was also going to go 3-0, but I'll go 2-0 too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I see how it is. I see how it is. Uh, then we got Hull taking on West Ham United. Hull right now sitting in 18th place. They're three points behind Swansea. Uh, West Ham, they're sort of stuck in no man's land there, 12th place. Uh, both teams in pretty horrid form, actually. I, I think this is where West Ham turns it around. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay, really. well, I'm... No, I'll go one nothing Hull. I'll go one nothing <laughs> oh, Hull. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 it, West Ham. Because if both of you are going to go with West Ham, I'll, I'll go Hull. What yeah. are you doing, Elliot? I'm, uh, 3-1 West Ham. Yeah, I got 2-1. Okay. And with that, we're going to say goodbye to Paulie. He's going to put in the rest of his scores now. So, arrivederci to Pauly. Uh, Leicester Stoke. Mm-hmm. Leicester, I mean, that there you can talk about a team sort of turning the corner because they got three straight wins here prior to the international break. They beat Liverpool, they beat Hull, they beat West Ham. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think I, I still uh, can't really put my finger on Stoke. Yeah, I can't either. I mean, this is this is one that I'm gonna just go with a draw because I can't. It, they're they're both kind of hard to pin down teams. Stoke, I think, has been more on again, off again, streaky. Leicester, obviously, poor earlier in good form, but then there's the international break. So I I'm gonna say one one. Okay, I'll go two two. I want to see some goals this weekend. All those games that I'm not going to watch because I won't be <laughs> near a TV. I might pull something up on my phone. I'm going to. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. My my, I, my wife's grandma, it's her 90th birthday this weekend. So we're going uh, yeah. going away for the weekend. But um, Where are you going? Indiana. Hmm. I'm going to Amsterdam. That's slightly farther. <laughs> yeah, a little. You know, still. Two uh, charming places in their own rights, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. <laughs> then we got Manchester United against West Brom. Uh, I was right. Paul, he's predicting 1-1. He's predicting 2 nothing to Leicester also, we should say. But he's predicting 1-1 between Manchester United and West Brom. I'm going with a 2-1 to win for Manchester United. Yeah, I... I'm, I'm going to say 1-0, Man U, but I'm still going to stick with the Red Devil win. Yeah, I if you know the thing is that they got it all in their own hands now. You got two games in hand on Liverpool. You're four points behind. Just get her done, as Larry the Kelly yep. guy would say, and don't mess up anymore at home. Because I mean, they they have had a couple of those unfortunate draws that have 
you know, could end up costing them a place in the top four here. So we'll see. Watford against Sunderland. The game that everybody's looking forward to. Watford in 14th place. Sunderland dead last. Uh, Watford, okay, so Watford in poor form and Sunderland in poor form. Great, great. A mediocre team, a poor team, both in poor form. Hard to say, but Watford's at home. I'm going to give them the win. Yeah, at least mm. they got some goals in them. Yeah, I'm going to say 2-1. Two, 2-1, one. Two, one, okay. Uh, what Paul, did you say, Pauly? Pauly says 1-1, one, one, but he he sort of shares our sentiment there that this game's not really... It shouldn't be high on anybody's radar unless you actually have a vested interest in these two teams. Uh, so you go 2-1 to one Watford. I'll go... Mm, well, yeah, Jermaine Defoe might score in this one. He might feel yeah. a little better now. So, yeah, I'll just piggyback off of you there. 2-1 to one Watford. Then we got Southampton against Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth coming off two straight wins. West Ham and Swansea. Do you think they'll be able to get something done on the road against Sunder or Southampton? Oh gosh, I mean, the, I the Saints are another team that I'm not. I, I just don't have a beat on them, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Bournemouth also. Yet sometimes it seems like they just don't show up. But they've got like they, I think they have a really strong midfield, and. And also, I have to admit, as an Arsenal supporter, that it's become clear to me that Jack Wilshire is not the heart and soul of that midfield, mm-hmm. even. You know, like he's he's a good journeyman within it, but he's not much better than that. And they are a very good team. Um, God, this one's really hard to call. I want to pick the Saints at home, but I think that I'm going to go with a draw in this one also. Um, 1-1. We'll go 1-1 for this as well. Okay. All be right there with you so if you gain points on Polly, I gain points on Polly. Uh, <laughs> then Sunday we have two games Swansea Middlesbrough that's the early one uh, Polly's going 3-1 to one, Swansea I think that's one too many goals or two too many goals I go 2 nothing in Swansea mm, I'm going to go 2-1 Swansea And then, last but not least, Arsenal, Manchester City. Oh God! Paulie's going. Paulie's going three-two Arsenal. Wow. Yeah. Um. Because he, you know, how he's heavy into all that history crap. <laughs> so yeah. now he's like, "Yeah, clock change. Arsenal going to be good." I'm sorry to say, but Manchester City three-one. No, no, oh, yeah. it's not going to be that bad. Oh, yeah. I'm, Ospina gonna, collapse. Gonna, see, we're going to split the difference on this one. Are you going to go with the draw? Yeah, That's I'm going to go a 2-2 draw. Okay. 2-2 draw. And I, once again, I'm just, I'm admittedly partially heading my bet, hedging my bets. and be like, you know what? <laughs> Even if Pauly increases his lead and Arsenal <laughs> will get that third goal and yeah. win 3-2. You'll be happy. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Okay, so uh, final thoughts here before we jump off. Um, Alexis Sanchez, I'm going to go with mine. Um, Alexis Sanchez says he's happy in London, but he sort of fed the fire a little bit because there's rumors that Chelsea wants him. Uh, 
he sort of sent a warning out that he wants to play for a successful team with a winning mentality. And that's not Arsenal right now. No, it's not Arsenal. It's not Arsenal. It's the, the frustrating thing. It just, as an Arsenal fan, it's just, I, I thought that the, you know, it was hard to begrudge Sesk going back to Barcelona, even though it's hard to see him play in a Chelsea shirt now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to his hometown club, the club of his youth, like playing with all of these world champions yeah, who couldn't he get... played with as a kid. I was going to say, and uh, he sat on the bench. Um... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that ma- that made the... There's a little bit of schadenfreude that made it sting. Well, less, I mean, but... really, how are you going to oust, you know, Xavi and um, Iniesta yeah. in their prime? Yeah. Come on. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, but, but anyway, I point being that that the departure of Fabregas and Robin Van Persie was frustrating for Arsenal fans for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. right? You know, and but many of us, many of us thought that that era was co- coming to a close. As we won two FA Cups, we signed world-class players in the form of both Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez, and and that was that was supposed to be the opening of the floodgates, right? You know, the loosening of the purse strings, to use another metaphor. And it just it hasn't been. And signing Petr Cech from Chelsea was great. It was. It was so Arsene Wenger in that it was a fiscally responsible move that nonetheless clearly improved the squad. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But if you're going to compete in this day and age, this is just like you're operating under the aegis of global capitalism. And I'm sorry, there's so much money in the game. You might balk at spending 65, 70 million for a player. Yeah, maybe that's absurd. But your problem, if you think that's absurd, is with the logic of capital. Because where capital goes, more capital is there to be made. And that's just the nature of the game in England right now. And so if you want to compete at the highest level, you have to pay those prices. Yeah, no, and I... that's, just, that's just it. That's yeah. just it. And Wenger should know that. I mean, he's an economist. Yes. But he's an economist who seems to have a miserly disposition. And that miserly disposition, make no bones about it, is hurting Arsenal Football Club right now. Yeah, and I mean, just look at, you know, when you sign whole, you know, really high-profile players like uh, Paul Pogba or Slatan Ibrahimovic, you know, those jerseys were flying off the shelf. Yeah. Like, I was there for their home opener I went into the team shop. I'm like, hey, what's up? I need a Ibrahimovic jersey. They're like, ha, we're sold out. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just. So I had to get one of the plain ones, then go and stand in the longest line I've ever been in because they had the <laughs> print shop outside. And then, you know, stand nicely in line with all the other tourists and then get it printed up. Yeah. Well, at least I have one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I but, think I mean, it would be a real kick in the balls, really, to be frank, to the Arsenal supporters if Sanchez went straight from Arsenal to Chelsea. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. we should say that a lot of it, this is speculation. It also seems to hang upon if Eden Hazard leaves to go to Real Madrid because Real Madrid are interested in Eden Hazard. Yeah. Um, 
course they are. But okay. would this be the worst? I mean, we've seen a couple of these. I know Van Persie sucked, but as far as Arsenal to Chelsea, is it Ashley Cole that was the last big one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that one must have been a tough pill to swallow too because Cole was really good when he left Arsenal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's a reason that he's still called Cashley Cole among Arsenal supporters. Oh, yeah. But the the problem is that, and in many ways, actually, I would begrudge Alexis Sanchez far less. Not only because he's not, you know, there's what we've talked a lot on the show about how inflated prices are for English players. But there's also some sense of if you're an Englishman, you know, like, you know, the culture around the game in England, Mm -hmm. right? And in the, the same way, in the same way that like, so for example, like Sol Campbell, right? You know, he knew what he was doing. Oh yeah. Ashley Cole knew exactly what he was doing. Exactly what he was doing. Um, Speaking of jersey sales, he's not selling as many jerseys for LA Galaxy as David Beckham did, that's for sure. No. <laughs> but he I, – I, that I, – I would begrudge Sanchez less, not not so much because of his nationality, though perhaps slightly also that, but really just because things are a mess at Arsenal, you know? Like, you can't uh, – a, a common, if somewhat crass, joke among football supporters is that – you know, you can always get divorced and change your spouse, but you can't change your club. No. And wow, right now, boy, if this was my wife, we'd be divorced because mm. things are terrible. They're systemically terrible, consistently terrible. The same problems have happened for the last several years. And what do you do when that's the case? You realize maybe this is a toxic situation and I should leave. But instead, I end up spending a lot of my money and time following the Arsenal, and I always will. But God damn it, guys, get it together. Yeah, I guess that's my final just thought. just to tie tie it into the shirt sales. Actually, I, I looked up here. There was a, this is the numbers are kind of old. They're from October, but you had Pogba first, Ibrahimovic second, and Sanchez third, Ezil fourth. Philippe Coutinho, fifth. David De Gea, sixth. I'm a little bit surprised the goalkeeper made it that far up. Sadio Mane, seventh. Uh, Dimitri Payet, eighth. Ouch. Oh, wow. Sorry, West Ham supporters. That's got to suck. Uh, Eden Hazard, ninth. And then Marcus Rashford, tenth. That doesn't mean. No, Pauly bought like a hundred of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh... um... I feel like we sort of combined last thoughts there. Are we okay wrapping yeah, we up? Did. Or do you have something something pressing Synthesis. pressing no, on your heart? No. Okay. With that, we'll say goodbye then. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keats was better. Polly is P. Quistel WFAN. And be sure to give FanRag Sports a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.